to turn with me, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel and chapter 8. If uh, you're with us for the first time, uh, we are working through the book of 1 Samuel. And we've kind of walked with Samuel throughout his most of his life now. He is an old man at this point. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens next when we, when we get there. But before we jump into the chapter, I'd like to ask you a question. What is your drug of choice? And the second question is like it. It is, what has it cost you? What is it costing you? And what will it cost you? So let's say for a moment that your drug of choice is success. And you will do anything to climb the ladder and be successful. At any price, you climb the ladder. Can I ask, like, what has that cost you already? Like in... On Father's Day, you might be reflecting, you know, it really cost me a lot of memories with my kids. There's a lot of times I wasn't there because I was so working so hard at climbing the ladder. It might cost you a relationship with your wife. You might look back and say, I think things would have been better if I'd been around more and like emotionally present, really, truly there a higher percentage of the time. You might look around and say, you know, I don't have very many friends. Or, I mean, my, my relationships with my friends are anemic because I've been trying so hard to climb the ladder. What has it cost you already? What is it costing you? What, I mean, if, if success is your drug of choice, what is that currently costing you? Well, you might, you might say, you know, my relationship with my kids has really suffered because I, I, I don't really, I can't have a real conversation with them. It just turns into shouting. You know, it, it, I don't have a real relationship with my wife. I don't have a real relationship with my friends. Like currently, it is costing me that right now. And, and in the future, what will it cost you? Like, I hope you don't have a cats in the cradle relationship with your kids. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. It doesn't apply to you yet. Like, I hope that, I hope that you have a marriage in 10 years. I hope that you can resuscitate your relationships with your friends. What is your drug of choice? And what is it? costing you. We're going to talk about that from this text this morning. And as we talk about that, you'd be thinking about what your drug of choice is. And and what you'll see is the people of Israel's drug of choice. So maybe try to identify it as we read. Ask yourself, what was their drug of choice? What did they want more than anything else? What was it that they had to have no matter what it cost them? And I think this will help us want to walk humbly with our God. 
So here we are, 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. So <clears throat> Beersheba is about as far south as you can go in Israel. Of course, Samuel was living near the middle of Israel in Ramah. And so people speculate, did he send them down there because he knew how they were? Or did he send them down there because Beersheba was a thriving city and needed a good couple of judges? I mean, the bottom line is we don't know. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways. Now think about that. Samuel has followed the Lord. Samuel has given his whole life to serving God and serving the people. And his sons do not walk in his ways. Nowhere does it say that Samuel did anything wrong. But his sons chose not to walk in his ways. Neither of them. But instead, they turned aside after gain. How heartbreaking must that have been for Samuel? To give his whole life to serving God, serving people for the good of the world, and then to see his sons turn aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old. Thank you for pointing that out. You are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Samuel, you are old and a failure. It's pretty hard. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Of course, this was God's job. God was the king. God was the judge. This is what Hannah's saying about in the beginning. And the people are saying, we want a king. You know, you have to, you have to understand, they're a loose confederation of tribes. Which means when they're under attack, they don't have a standing army to call upon. So what they want is they want a king so that they have a measure of visible stability so that they have a standing army, so that when they're attacked, the king is much more efficient than a loose confederation of tribes. So we can call on a king, and he can go out and fight our battles. We want the security that a king, and the efficiency that a king will give us. Now, appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. And the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us, because Samuel was their judge. And they're saying to him, Samuel, you as a category are obsolete. And you're a failure because your sons don't follow in your ways. And so Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. Are you okay with that? The Lord says to Samuel, give them what they want. You okay with that? For they have not rejected you. Look, it's Father's Day. Like Some of you really need to hear this, and we're going to come back to this. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. 
You wonder why things are a royal mess. It's because they have rejected God from being king over them. According to all the deeds they have done, so like this is how they are, this is how they've always been, this is in keeping with their character, according to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Samuel, you're finally getting a taste of it. How's it taste? Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king whom shall reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asked for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of a king who will reign over you. Okay, now those three words are in red so that you'll notice them. Hear them, watch them, see them, feel them. This is what their drug of choice will cost them. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. Are you sensing a theme? He will take the tenth of your grain and your vineyards and give it to his officers and his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. It comes down to that. You want a king? Here's what it's going to cost. Here's what he's going to take. So the people say, whoa, when you put it that way, maybe we don't want a king. Is that what happens? Well, let's see. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king. Just like in the Exodus, or before the Exodus, when the people are crying out because of Pharaoh. Samuel is saying it's going to be a similar thing. You're going to cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. Like, you made this bed, now you're going to have to lie in it, type thing. Like, you you picked this, always remember that you picked this. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. He will let you live with the choices that you've made. But the people refuse to obey the voice of Samuel. We want a king. Give us a king. We don't care. Give us a king. And they said no. But there shall be a king over us. That we also might be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Okay, so those of you who were with us last week, how is that like spitting in God's face? Well, God just did that for them. We saw that in chapter 7, verse 10, how God went out and thundered and fought the battle for them. And all they had to do was kind of come in behind them and clean up the mess. 
This is something that God has always done, has fought his people's battles for them. But they're saying, we don't want a God we can't see. We want a king that we can see, that we know is there. We want an army we can see. We want something that we feel secure about, that we have a measure of control. At least we feel like we have a measure of control over. Give us a king. And when Samuel heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel, give them what they want. Terrifying. Obey their voice and make them a king. And Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go every man to his city. And Samuel prepares to give them what they want. If there's one truth about God that I see in this text that I could give to you today, it's that God is king. Whether we deny him or not, whether we want him to be or not, whether we believe he is or not, whether we're obeying him or not, God is king. He is king. And, and he is so big that he can give his people, give all people, the ability to make free choices. To make real choices. Do you know that God has given you the ability to make choices that he will let you live with? This is what he did for these people. He gave them the ability to make choices. And then he honored their choices. God is so big. He gives us the ability to make real choices that we are responsible for making and lets us live with them. But he is also so patient that he doesn't destroy us when we make those choices. That he is patient with us. You see that in these people, you know, as they make this choice and say, the God who fought for us, not good enough. We want a human king. And God is patient with them. And walks with them through history, preserves them. I mean, they'll have good kings and they'll have bad kings. And they'll go into exile and they'll come back from exile. And God will walk with them generation after generation after generation. And, but, but here's what God does. He gives them the king that they're asking for. He gives them the king they want. He lets them use their ability to choose. Gives them what they want so that they will recognize the king that they need. And when the king they need shows up after generations of bad kings, he shows up, he walks among them. You know what they do? They use treachery to capture him and they hand him over 
to the Romans so that the Romans will execute him. Let me read this to you because I I just think it's better if you hear it from the words of Scripture. So this is, I'm going to read to you from John. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to because I'm not going to spend much time there. But I'm in John chapter 19, verse 14. And Jesus is standing before Pilate. And listen, listen to these words as John sets the context again. Now it was the day of preparation of Passover. And it was about the sixth hour, about noon. And he said to the Jews, These people that God has been patient with but have rejected him again and again and again and again and again. And he says to them, When the king that they, finally, that they need is standing before them, Pilate says to them, Behold your king. Verse 15. And they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. We want Caesar for king. Because at least then we feel like we have a measure of control. So he delivered him over to be crucified. And of course, Jesus dies for our sins. God is big enough to let us pick. He is patient enough to not destroy us when we pick wrong. And... He is smart enough to honor our choices that we really make and keep his plans on track. So a couple weeks later on the day of Pentecost when Peter is up preaching and he's talking to the people that were there, that were there, that were chanting crucify him. And he's talking in the hearing of the priests that Form the coalition to betray Jesus, to hand Jesus over to the Romans. He's talking to those very same people. And Peter says to them, look, you, you guys just need to know, and this is in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, that Jesus, this Jesus, was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Was this an accident? Absolutely not. This happened according to the definite plan And the foreknowledge of God. But then he says, you just need to know that you did this. Like you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God is big enough to to let us make choices. Patient enough to not destroy us. Smart enough to keep his plans on track even while we're making real choices. This is who is king. This is who is king. So... What should we do? Well, let's start with, let's not reject him. Let's start with, let's learn the lesson from from these dear friends and not reject him. Let's see what it costs them and think about what our drugs of choice may cost us. Okay, so you've had some time to think about what your drug of choice might be. And as you think about what their drug of choice was, I mean, of course, you probably figured it out by now, their drug of choice was a king. Like, we want a king. We don't care what it costs. Give us a king. 
You know, you know the price you're going to pay for this, right? You know he will take, he will take, he will take, and he will take. We don't care. We want a king. Their drug of choice. You're rejecting God for this. We don't care. We want a king. So what's your drug of choice? We don't care. We'll reject God for this. What do you want that bad? Is it a substance? Substances make promises. But they take. And they take. And they take. Is it success? Success at work? Success at a video game? Success athletically? Is it success? It'll make promises, but it will take and take and take and take. Is it screens? Like escaping into a screen? It'll make promises, but it'll take and take and take and take. You know, I, I think that the temptation to parent like this is greater now than it ever has been. I, I can't imagine, like, because I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes parenting is boring. Sitting by your kids when they're in the bathtub, like the hundredth time, sometimes it's boring. Sometimes watching them in the bathtub like this, it's more fun. It's more entertaining. You know, you just kind of escape into your screen. That'll take and take and take and take. They're watching you. They're learning from you. They're watching you relate to them like that. Do you want them to relate to you like that someday? It'll take and take and take. Screens, man, they can offer an escape. But it'll take and take and take. It, if it's not success and it's not escape, maybe, maybe it's someone. You know, you have that conversation with a person before they jump off the cliff into a relationship. And you say, are you sure? I mean, there are red flags waving right now. I am very scared for you right now. Are you sure? It looks like he might be kind of abusive. Like there are definitely red flags. It looks like she might be addicted to this or, or that. Like there are definitely red flags about this person we have. Like, are you sure? And they say, I don't care. I want, I want a someone to be with. I want to be married. I want to have a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I want this relationship and I don't care what it costs. Well, you can have it, but it will take. The Lord is king. Don't reject him for your drug of choice. Now, it's Father's Day, and, and uh, I want to talk to you dads that can really identify with Samuel. You know, Samuel was an old man, and for whatever reason, 
maybe partially his fault, maybe not partially his fault. Maybe, maybe the, the boys just caught up, got caught up in the ways of the world. I don't know why. Samuel's an old man and his boys are not walking in his ways. And he, it looks like he tried. He tried to point them in the right direction based on what God says. And he tried to put the people in the right direction. He served God his whole life. You remember this, like from the time that he was done nursing, his mom dropped him off at the temple and he lived in the temple. He lived at church his whole life. He gave his whole life to serving God and serving people. His whole life. And at the end of his life, the people come to him and say, you're obsolete. Your kids aren't walking in your ways. Give us a king. And I can really empathize with Samuel taking this personally. Can't you? Can't you understand why Samuel would be hurt by this? Dad, I want you to hear what the Lord says to Samuel. If you look at 1 Samuel 8 with me, and look at 1 Samuel 8, verse 7. I'm right in the middle of it. 1 Samuel 8, verse 7, right in the middle. Where the Lord says, Obey the voice of this people and all that they say to you. And this is what I want you to hear. For they have not rejected you. You know why? Because it was never about you. You were always pointing them to God. You were, when you were doing it right, it was never about you. It was always you pointing them to God. It was always you pointing them upwards. It was always you pointing them at their Heavenly Father. So they've not rejected you. They have rejected God. And this may not... It may not take away the pain. It may not take away the disappointment. It may not take away the loneliness. It may not take away the stuff that you hope it will take away, that I wish I could take away. But at least you need to know that your Heavenly Father knows how you feel. In fact, you're feeling something of what He has felt from the beginning. This is what God says. He says, they've done this, verse 8, according to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So now they are doing to you. How's it taste? Like I've been living with this for a long time. You're just waking up to it. Good morning. I, I can't take away all of it, but I can just tell you God has already been there. And is there with you. And grieves it too. The Lord is king. So don't reject him. For an idol. For a drug of choice. The Lord is king. So just know. Dad. He knows how it feels. The Lord is king. And. Let's talk, about, let's talk about God giving his people the ability to make choices for a second. Okay, so, so he's given you 
the ability to make real choices that matter. It kind of reminds me of a story our Lord told. And he told the story of uh, two sons who made real choices. And the younger son goes to his father and says, Dad, I really feel like the farm is boring. And um, really, I think I could succeed in the big city if you'd just give me my inheritance. And so the dad honors his choice. And the dad liquidates half of his assets. And it's a pile of money. And he gives this kid, he honors his choice. And he gives this kid half of his assets. And the kid goes to the far country and spends all of it on his drugs of choice. And they take, and they take, and they take, and they take until it's all gone. And he finds himself sitting in the mud with the kosherly crazy, not clean pigs. And he's sitting there in the mud and he thinks to himself, you know, my dad's servants have it better than this. And at, at, that, at that moment, when the ESV says he came to himself, like he was somewhere else and his sanity kind of came back to him. The NIV says he came to his senses. He has this thought, like, my dad's servants have it better than, what am I doing? So then you remember what he does? In Luke chapter 15, verse 18, he says, I will go to my father. That's just what I'm inviting you to do. I'm inviting you to go to your heavenly father this Father's Day. Go to your heavenly father like the prodigal did and say, I have sinned. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned. I've sinned. I messed up. I spent my inheritance on my drugs of choice. What was I? I mean, I am sorry. I've sinned. And the father who sent his son to be the savior of the world will forgive your sins. And you will be his kid. And he will be your dad. When someone asks you, so what was, what was church about today? Maybe you could say, well, it was about how our drugs of choice take and take and take and take in spite of their promises. And then on the other hand, you could say, but it's also how God is so good and so patient and so smart and welcomes us home with forgiveness and open arms. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. That though you honor our choices and you let us live with the consequences of our choices, that you, you do offer us the forgiveness of sins. And Lord, I pray that, that we would come to you in repentance, seeing the foolishness and the error of our ways and come to you knowing that you sent your son to be the savior of the world, that we would trust him with our whole heart, Lord, and come to you um, 
just knowing that we have only needs. Lord, pull us each towards yourself. Great is your faithfulness. Amen.